The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Grab podcast, part of the Hockey News Network. I'm Mike Stevens of the Hockey News, and sitting virtually across from me is my boss and our lovely editor, web editor-in-chief, Stephen, uh, Stephen Ellis. Stephen, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Mike? Um, I'm doing You know exactly how I'm doing, Stephen. You know, we're, we're in constant. I talk to you probably like on a daily basis more than definitely my parents and pretty much anyone else who's ever been close to me. So, hey, and it's, it's, it's conversations too. It's, hey, want to talk about COVID? Want to talk about COVID? Want to talk about COVID? Want to talk about things shutting down? Want to talk about sanctions against countries? It's, yeah, Stephen is the great, like, thank God for the the term don't shoot the messenger, because if that wasn't the case, I would have already, you know, popped a cap in Stephen by now, because the last little bit, all it's been, he'd been like, oh yeah, uh, by the way, World War Three is about to break out. You want to do a, you want to do a piece on, you want to grab that? Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> like so many different, it, let's just say news has not been the most pleasant lately, but you know. Thankfully, we, we're here. We're going to talk about hockey, but we do unfortunately have to talk about um, the sanctions and, and, and the out sort of we're not going to talk specifically about the attack itself because we all know it's terrible on Russia's part. Um, it's unlawful. And uh, we are sending all our hearts out to you, the people of Ukraine, the leaders of Ukraine. It's all the stories that are coming out of there being absolutely remarkable. And, and you know, we're we're there and we support them. Um but we're going to talk about how the just a couple minutes before we started recording, the IIHF has suspended Russia and Belarus. Uh, Belarus supports the Russian invasion. Uh, so they've done that both. Um, they've suspended them from international play essentially indefinitely. They say until further notice, um, which means they've also stripped Russia of its hosting duties for the 2023 World Junior Championship and World Championship. Not World Championship, yet. just the World Juniors as of right now. Just the World Juniors as of right now? Yeah, the world champ the, the world championship is not one of the things they were listed as being uh, removed because that is still about uh, what like 14, 15 months from now. So they're looking at that and saying we will reevaluate that later. Yeah, because that is like over a year. It's it's crazy a year away, but still that is that is huge. Like that, you know, Russia is is at the moment the men's program is ranked the third uh, is ranked third on the I Um I guess a uh, leaderboard rankings board, if you will. Uh, and Russia obviously is one of the most impactful, you know, I guess international hockey bodies out there, you know, whether it's supplying players uh, uh, to the NHL draft uh, and, and North American leagues, or whether it's having, I think it's over 80,000 um, junior players in, in uh, among all genders and identifications right now. This is huge. What, like what goes on? Like what, what, what is the future of Russia hockey after this? Because we now have, prospects and players and all that who will not be able to compete internationally yeah th- this is a really tough one and, and for scouts obviously this is something where when you look at the 20s the, the world the u18s the helenka gretzky which um at this time of recording this we are expecting hockey canada to cancel all of or to um kick rush out of all of their events which is the world junior a challenge the u17s uh helenka gretzky this year uh and that's really important because those are events that are really big uh, showcase tournaments for these players and well, scouts are smart. They 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 know that these tournaments are not what you're going to be basing everything off of. Like you're, and a lot of people are wondering, like, oh, Yard Slavkovsky, he's going to be number one because of his incredible Olympic tournament against men. It's like, yeah, but that's just a portion of the season. In the Finnish league, he's been pretty below average, actually. Uh, so there, there's a lot of it to it. So, uh, but it, overall, this is big. Uh, Russia's always uh, a co- really good. Uh, They've only got a shot at winning these things in the world championship. It's been a while since they've been like the, one of the top dogs, but when they get their best players there, when they get Ovechkin stuff like that, which every time Washington's out and he's available, he comes over. Um, when you look at that, yeah, the, well, actually the, one of the big things was when, when the Tampa lighting started becoming good and then they couldn't have Vasilevsky and Kucherov at those events. Then they started to actually having to play a little harder, but not being able to compete for these events is big. Um, they're obviously one of the biggest teams in women's hockey. Um, so that, that will hurt that tournament a lot where they were a contender for third contender for fourth. Um, and when you look at it now, it's uh, they, they all, the, the Helenka Gretzky, they won the tournament last year. So this is important because this is one of the top teams. I guess what happens next is, is 
interesting. Um, for example, like the U18s, I believe it is. They they only had 10 teams. They took two of them out. Does that mean they're just going to have no promotion or relegation? That's what I'd assume they do and just have those teams come back in. Um, because for, for everything kind of going on, there's the obviously the players are losing out here. Players that may have been super against the war and now are kind of just losing out no fault of their own in this case. Um, so I don't think the Dubai chef's going to like penalize them and enforce them out of that. But then you've got the question of the men's world championship. At some point you got to start relegation again, because it's been a few years. A lot of those teams work really hard. Um, do you just say Russia and Belarus get to say stay and then two other teams move down? Like it's, it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. So the Dubai chef, this story is far from over because the Dubai chef still has like they, they did kind of the what we expected them to do at this point, but how they're actually going to logistically move forward these tournaments is still coming up. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens down the line. But right now, it's something where that's that's a major deal. That's one major team, and a lot of these tournaments gone. And Belarus, a team that their their junior program is starting to kind of pick it up. They had a pretty impressive U eighteen team at the Helenka Gretzky last year. That's now gone. So. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, kind of see what happens. Is you're you're 100 right. It is it is like I've, I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of days because especially with the World Junior Championships, they're going to be held in August now. Um, where I think like okay, obviously Russian, there needs to be consequences for this. Um, but then again, like, do you want to punish a bunch of teenagers? But then again, like, you have to look at Ukraine and saying like, are you are you going to allow like are you not going to protect? A country that is all like a member of your federation as well like is ukraine you know like this is this is an un, you know an unjust attack against them and their players you know are caught in the middle of this and their families are caught in the middle of this and are you going to force them to um you know to to play against the country that is you know essentially trying to destroy their way of life um it, it's it's extremely difficult and uh man you look at like luke you look at luke tardif's um like tenure so far, <laughs> like this guy from day one has been thrown into the fire. Renee, the, 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 I would say like the guy who's, who's kicking back right now is Renee Fasella. Cause he's like, Holy smokes. I don't have to, like, I don't have to do this. I can just, you know, kick back and relax. And, 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 you know, I got out. It's, it reminds me of like, I worked at, I had an, I worked at Samsung for, for a, uh, uh, for a summer. Um, I like, I ran a marketing campaign for them and all that. And my last day was when the phone battery started blowing up. Oh, I remember like my last, my last, uh, uh, like image is walking. It's like walking in the building and I see all of the executives huddled in a glass boardroom, like looking like it's, you know, it looking like they're, they're about to, you know, go to war themselves. Like it, it looks terrible. And and that's my last image. And I re- it reminds me a lot of, a lot of that because like, think of all the stuff that, that international, like the IIHF has had to rule on it, had to meet about and had to, had to do and, and all the, the, you know, the, the completely uncom you know, uh, uh, I want to say like uh, unidentifiable, unidentifiable um, circumstances they've been put in. It's being remarkable. To add to that, like you look at the fact that they're going to be uh, rescheduling those tournaments that they canceled you, the U18 women's, the, the world juniors, they didn't have to do any of that. That's a pain in the butt for everybody there. There's other things. There's a logistically, it's a challenge, especially on the world junior side where they had already started the tournament. And when you look at that, like they didn't have to do that. So that's, great that they're able to kind of do it all uh so you gotta give them props there but it's been like you, you you talk about having to cancel tournaments right off the bat um having to deal with whether or not china was going to be participating in the olympics and going to china for the olympics and then now this it's like they've had he's had such a rough time it's like he's going to be waiting for the opportunity to finally take a rest so uh good on him for being able to kind of do everything it's not an easy job and has it been perfect absolutely not but it, has he been doing the best he possibly can under these circumstances uh for the most part no uh president's had to kind of have to deal with all this in such a short time so uh what a weird time it's, it's one thing where when we've seen in the past the russian olympic committee or the Ru- olympic athletes for russia like that means nothing but actually banning the team is a big deal that's a huge deal and it's not like we're banning a team that's a fringe team like like belarus is but in russia's case like they're one of those hockey powers and it's it's going to be something where again like i i feel bad for the players where this is a big deal some players might be at the end of their international career some might be just starting some might be only getting their only opportunity to this and it's all kind of getting lost and it's like you just like it sucks in hockey, like uh, uh, Russia is a pillar of international hockey. Like they have been there forever. They've won a lot over their years. They're influential. They always come into every tournament, regardless of what the roster looks like as a supposed favorite. 
and having them be suspended for the time being like, who knows what and the thing is like, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know, you know, like what, uh, uh, what the future for Russia hockey is because right now, like, as I said, in death, like, you know, with until further notice and definitely like this hinges on a massive, you know, sort of life-changing event. And, you know, we've lived through, you know, a, a bunch of them in the last two years, we have no, and we know how unpredictable these things can be. It, it's, it, I, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. You know, it, let's like, like what, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It, this is again, like this is, this is another sort of like sent like monumental thing that, you know, we never would have thought that we'd be, we'd be living through or talking about on a hockey podcast, you know, in, you know, Mar- February of 2020. And yet here we are. We, we uh, Ryan Kennedy and I were talking on the prospect podcast, the hockey news, how there was a chance that Askarov was going to play in five world junior tournaments, which was kind of like unbelievable. But it's it, because the one term would have been split in half. We counted that as two, and then he would be able to play next year. And then now that's uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, well, unlikely to happen, but uh, um, for the 2023, because they they haven't been kicked out of that tournament. They're just not allowed to host a tournament. Now the question is, where do they host it? Um, I made the kind of a joke to someone and said, like, why not just keep it in Edmonton in, in Red Deer? Like, they haven't had a proper full tournament yet, um, and they've already proven that you do it. Realistically, I don't think that would. If I'm picking a place, it's Switzerland. That's a place that's been kind of ruined to having tournaments the last couple of years. World Championship was supposed to have in 2020, and then they didn't get it um, rescheduled in their favor. Um, but they also have the Spangler Cup. That's a major deal. So as long as the Bengal Cup's going, and it's almost 100 years long old, uh, I don't think we'll see it there. So, um there's a lot of cool places that could go play. And I feel like this is probably something where it's going to stay in North America, man. So much, like just so much stuff is happening. All right. Let's talk about actual hockey and, uh, and let's talk about let's uh, current disaster right now, because uh, it's the Leafs. You know, they're a great, they're a great hockey team. They just won 10 to seven on, on Saturday night in one of the most absurd games personally I've ever watched. Uh, that was kind of dull. Wasn't really exciting. I mean, 17 combined goals, uh, uh, you know, like almost blowing a seven to two lead, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy, but the goaltending is, it also produced a thing where Sheldon Keefe uh, uh, pulled Jack Campbell with the team holding a two goal lead in the third period. I have never seen that happen before. Um, I don't think we will see that happen again for a it long happens time. International hockey from time to time, but it's pretty rare, but in the NHL, I don't think we're going to see that happen for a while, but you know, crazy circumstances uh, lead to crazy choices. And that happened. Goaltending recently has, and not even just recently, like for the last, I would say like two to three months, they've been a problem. It's been a problem now. What do they do? What happens? Because, uh, you know, being around the team a lot more lately, I've been able to to see this and uh, be able to see that that Campbell is is trying his darndest. You know, he really is, and this could just be a slump. You know, he's been he's been good for longer throughout his entire Toronto tenure than I think he has uh, than he's been struggling. But then you then that if if you turn to Peter Morazic, then you're relying on Peter Morazic to save your season, which is a little. A little dicey. I mean, what what what's your thought on this outside viewer? What what do you think is going on here? So this is something where, like, I, I don't count that, that game's obviously a total wash. If I'm the coaches, the you, you you keep the video and say, ha ha, that was pretty funny, and then that that's it. You don't you don't ever review it. There's no point. There's nothing you could take out of that game. I know a lot of people are talking about like a couple goalie options, and the one that's always been kind of mentioned is Alexander Georgiev the Rangers goalie. And uh, unfortunately we've kind of got to the point where I think he has kind of played himself out of being like an actual goalie. That's worth picking up in a trade um, among goalies with like at least 10 starts. I believe he's near like the, he, he's like probably in the bottom 25% in terms of like statistical categories for, for major goalie important stats. And um, saying that while the best goalie in the league statistically by far is Igor Shosturkin. So when you are getting so outplayed by your other goalie, that's not a good thing. And I think Georgiev's kind of got to the point where he's not the answer for the Leafs if you go out and get a guy. Then what about Corpusalo? Well, Corpusalo statistically has been worse. Corpusalo, there's been very few goalies that have played around 15 games that have been worse. I believe the only one statistically worse uh, is Grubauer. And there's also Morazic right around there too. And Morazic's played a few last games, but like look at those, and those are some of the worst goalies. So Corpusalo is barely better than Morazic at this point. That He's doesn't not make the starter in, in, in Columbus anymore. No, no. And so the way Berube's play is even good enough to do the backup. Um, so you got to get a little creative there. Is that something where you go in and 
say, well, I want Semyon Varlamov. Well, again, Varlamov's been pretty outplayed compared to his, his goalie partner. So, um, uh, when he's even been around, so, uh, it, it's something where I don't know if there's a good answer here for what the Leafs can do next. Um, but one name I've legitimately thought may be worth a cheap pickup if, if they do it is Craig Anderson, uh, because it's a veteran guy who's had a good player fund and, and like you obviously wouldn't be playing him, but he would give you another option where it's not going to cost you much to keep him. Um, you're, you're throwing away a fifth or sixth round pick and you got this guy who uh, couldn't play if you need him. And he's a veteran and he's actually had some pretty good moments this year on a pretty terrible team. Um, but at first hand, I thought the goaltending situation going into the season was way too risky to begin with. I just think there's no way you could really address that without really blowing up a piece of your core to get someone who's actually going to make a difference. You need someone who's way better than Jack Campbell. Well, Jack Campbell up until the last month was looking like a true Vesna candidate. So, but the question, the problem is it's like, uh, he, like he's playing right now statistically to his average. The issue was he had to fall drastically for that average for him to play at that point, because he was playing so much better. You need a guy who's could be able to do more than that. Flurry is your only realistic guy, but what are you trading to get that? Uh, They're going to ask for the sun and the moon. That's yeah, the thing. you're asking a lot for what could be just a playoff run, essentially, for him. Um, for a guy who's like, what, 37, 36? Like, yeah, at least. Yeah. So you're, you're you got to be paying a lot for a guy like that. You're, you're giving away for almost for sure a guy like Robertson. You've got to give away these key pieces. And they're not so, doing that. No, and, and, and that doesn't make sense. Throwing away a really promising prospect. Now, granted, this prospect is coming off of an injury, and he's he missed a long time in his development this year. Uh, but throwing away a top prospect to get a guy like this, it, it's worth it if you go win the cup. But is that all you need to win the cup? You still got to address your defensive situation. You still got to figure a way to make ju- make it clear Justin Hall can't come back and keep playing. Um, uh, and and, and and for as big of a blow as it is losing Muzzin, even Muzzin had some moments where you're like, man, he's, what is going on here? Um, so they got to figure a way to kind of really solidify that. And you can't do both. I think, is Campbell the guy that's going to bring this team to the Stanley Cup? No. But I think the team kind of had to know that was a huge possibility this year when you're taking a risk on a guy who had never been a full-time starter in the league. And would he have been the starter if, if Anderson, you know, wasn't playing hurt and then just ended up getting hurt and just being not being the number one guy at the end? Had, had Anderson been as healthy as he could have been, would would we be talking about Campbell being the number one goalie? I don't think so. So I, I think when you look at it, yeah, Campbell has been a really good back goalie and he still can be, but you need a guy who could be the number one goalie. And, and with how many injuries Mrazic's had and how inconsistent his whole career is, but he's not the guy. But how do you address that safely? I don't think you can. I think you got to focus on the defense in that first and just kind of hope Campbell could, it can be the, the game saver. Because let's not forget that, that the playoffs against Montreal was not his fault there. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're, we've gotten that drastic on Campbell. Like he's 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 proven like he's been in Toronto now for parts of three seasons. Like he, he got acquired, you know, February 2020. Um, and you know, just based on the way the world has gone the last little bit, that's essentially, uh, it's been split up, but every single time he's, he's gone, every single time he's gone out there, it's been, he, he has given them value. He has been around a nine twenty, and in the last little bit, he's played down. Absolutely. I think Campbell is a remarkably mental goaltender. Like, like we've heard the stories of how, you know, the coaching staff has had to kind of talk to him and be like, Hey man, like we love the, the, the affable attitude. It's great. But like you just sort of berating yourself after, you know, like a four, three loss or something when it wasn't really your fault, like that's doing more harm to you than, than, than it is good. And I think, you know, I, I think that's a big thing that, that, that is standing in this way right now. All it, the thing about goalies and I'm not a goalie. I think you are, aren't you? Like you, you claim to be a goalie. I yeah, goalies might kind of my thing. Yeah, so all it takes is like they are voodoo. All it takes is mm-hmm. you know like like two two good starts kind of strung together, and boom, you got your mojo back. You're feeling it again. You got that rhythm going. And I think Campbell's, uh, you know, like right now the the circumstances are pretty dire, but um, like because they're not not dire in the sense that like you need to win this year. You don't have you don't have the luxury of time to write, to let someone figure things out. You don't have the luxury of time to let them get their mojo back if it's going to take some time, but. Um, you get like, if, if Campbell's able to get back to, to, you know, 
stringing, like I said, two, three good games together, and that kind of gets them back on track. You have a huge piece of your problem solved. And also, let's also keep in mind the Leafs defense over this last stretch of Campbell playing terribly has also been playing terribly as well. Jake Muzzin is like mm-hmm. playing, you know, with half a robotic body. He, like he's on LTIR right now, and they're not going to, they're not going to rush him back, but I did watch 31 thoughts on Saturday that they said they're also not going to hold him back. So that kind of was going to impact how much space the Leafs have at the deadline. Um, but a guy like Justin Hall, save for his two primary assists on Saturday, has been playing terribly. You know, they had they went out and they had to go get Ilya Bushkin. Um, um, and I think he's played very well. Uh, but considering that he was not on for a goal against um, in the 10-7 game, which is remarkable. I don't that's the opposite of what Brett Le- Brett Lebda did when he was minus three in the <laughs> nine in like the nine <laughs> two win or something. Um, but th- this is but like Timothy Lilgren can't keep playing top four minutes right now, just not at this stage. Jake Muzzin has been hurt all year and now he's he's gone down. You know, Riley and Brody being the only two solid guys. So which brings me to my next question, I guess, because then when you also look at a guy like John Tavares who's struggling and that second line seems pretty stagnant. Do the Leafs do they do they try and address the defense or do they go okay we have some guys that are banged up we're gonna sort of let it ride out and everything and we'll, let's go and address our forward because that our forward group because that's our our strength and they kind of need another top six forward what what do they do there because that's that's extremely interesting because it, it used to seem like defense was the biggest thing like the thing that they absolutely needed to, the pride number one now I don't know man it could go either way. I still say yeah, defense. Like, like for as, as tough as the stretch has been for Tavares, we're still talking about talking about a guy who's just under a point per game here this year. So it's like it's not like he's playing terrible. Like, yeah, you should probably get some goals. And how do you score ten goals in a game and you don't have one of your top players contributing at all uh, in the goal column? Um, but it's it's like this is still a team where like they played a game against Detroit and scored ten goals and almost lost. Like, like that's. Again, that's a game to throw away, but the defense in that game was ugly and the goaltending was uglier. I still think that here you look at that and, and watch that game against the, the Montreal Canadiens is a good example of one where the defense really didn't help there. And a lot of it was the guys like Logan got beat quite a bit. Mazen um, got beat quite a bit. So they there were situations there where it's like they needed to play so much better than they did in their own zone. I think their game against Minnesota did a much better job, but it's been really hit or miss. And I like the guys like Sandine and Lilgren being out there and getting these young guys these opportunities and throwing them in the fire. I think you kind of have to do that. But at points, it hurts them when they're making mistakes or they're giving the puck away. So I think you bring in another veteran body um, and the, the guy that just brought in from, from Arizona, uh, Labushkin, which one of my favorite facts was that he changed his number after the first game, which was funny. My uh, number's 46 in, in hockey and racing, so that's really cool. Yeah, it's very rare you see a 46. I don't know why he 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 went with 26 to start. Like, why Like it, why did he even go? Well, wasn't he tra- – was he traded? He was traded on a uh, on the road trip, right? Yeah. yeah so, oh, yeah, so cool. maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's his only jersey they had. That's probably that, you know what? That's probably it. Yeah, you're right. It makes no sense otherwise. Like why he would just do a, a stopgap number and then go, nah, I'm going to go back to my old one. Especially it's like, or, or like, did they, could they just not call Alex Steves in time and say, yo, can we borrow your number? Like there's also that. Cause he wore 46. Well, yeah. Now uh, Alex Steves, he's going to have to find a new one. 26 is available. <laughs> hey, there you go. Boom. Problem solved. But yeah, it's something where I still think like you got to bring in more defensemen there. You like, you, who, who do you got in the in the pipeline if you need one? Like Carl Dahlstrom, uh, Alex Biega, um, I don't know Christian Rubens. Um, you, you need a guy. I think uh, bringing in a guy who could be that stopgap who you might not need every single night. Like kind of almost like what a Bogosian was, but maybe someone a little yeah, better. Yeah, they've been and, trying to replace, but it's funny because Bogosian's like a. Like he's not that good. Like he's fine. No. He's a steady defenseman who's making eight hundred grand, and yet they've been trying to replace him all year because yeah. he just was so perfect for that bottom pair. That's what you needed. You needed a guy. Like, what if you they go out and pick Chara? <laughs> like, like I, I've been thinking that too. Chara's been in the trade rumors, and I think they'd be. My grandma's a Leafs fan. And she hates Chara with a passion. Um, but you you throw in Chara, it's like. That might be the guy they need out there because he doesn't play that great. He's obviously not keeping up with the speed, but if you were limiting him in minutes, which Toronto can do, the Islanders have put him in like 18 minutes a night. A better team isn't going to play Zendito Char 18 minutes a night. If you're playing him 14 minutes a night, he's still pretty good at that point. And he could still be someone who could be valuable. He'd be that veteran presence where if Sandine gives the puck away 43 times in a game or if Travis Dermott is Travis Dermott. It's Travis Dermott. It's not Sandine. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not completely thrilled with Sandine's playoff, but it's not. No, really? I, he, there, no, there, there's worse players than him on the team. Uh, at least uh, as of late, Lilgren's been kind of hard to watch. But you throw Chara in there. He's not your perfect answer at all, but he's going to cost you nothing. Um, the rumor is that they're going to try to trade him to get him one last Stanley Cup run. And, you know, the Leafs could be the, the, the perfect fit for him. Now, a team like Florida will also probably make a oh, run for him. Yeah, Florida's going to get him. Tampa might make a run for him. Um, wouldn't be shocked if Boston made a run for him. Um, so there's a lot of teams that'll be in for something like him where I think the Leafs could do it. They could afford it and, and it'll be a decent addition to this team. So, that's my guess. If Tampa gets Zeno Chara, you you got we're gonna have to like live stream. But well, we're gonna be probably gonna be doing a trade deadline show anyway. So like it'll yeah, we'll see it. But it's that would just be especially because they'll probably play the Leafs in the first round. Like that is just gonna drive me insane. If I didn't lose my mind during the all or nothing, then it's gonna be that. Um, but you know, I I totally agree. The only thing is that Chara is a left shot, and they really do need a right like a right shot to solidify. Uh, that top pair, or uh, I guess the top four, because it's more like they don't really need a stopgap. Like they have, they got Labushkin, who I think is perfect for that bottom pair role. Like you're, if you bump him up to the second pair, like fine, you can kind of make that work. He was, he was treading, he was keeping his head above water on in first pair minutes in Arizona alongside Chikrin. So fine, you do that. But I think they really do need a second pairing, uh, like right shot guy, which again, they've all, they've needed forever, Mm -hmm. but it's it's tough. Now I'm I'm so glad the words Ben and Sherratt didn't leave your mouth because that would have just been a non-starter. Ben Sherratt doesn't isn't going to make your team better the way he's playing this year, mate. Also not Maybe good. <laughs> he could play better somewhere else. Problem is he just clearly not good enough to play the role he was needed to play in Montreal this year. And like I still think there's a value there's value to him. And he's had a rough year. He's missed some time. There's he's playing on a team that sucks. He's playing more of an important role than he's ever had to play in his entire career. Um, no, he's not the answer for the Leafs, and it doesn't make sense for him. I honestly do kind of like the idea of Chara a bit more. I know Chara. I've, I was kind of on the. Does Chara need to keep playing at this point? This dude's like a billion years old uh, and can't skate, and he's not anywhere near as good. But he could still get. He could still have those bright moments. Islanders fan, fans, I think, would be very okay with him. And like I'm talking to a lot of Islanders fans, they'd be very happy with him leaving. Really? Um, but something in Toronto where he doesn't need to play a lot. If it's if it's you like go to a seven game series and they probably lose in game seven, uh, but let's say you get to that point, you play him three or four of those games. I think you get the value out of him that you need, and you're not putting the pressure on someone like Lilgren all the time. Also, just think about the power play opportunities of just putting him in front of the net, like he did in the third period of. Uh... Of game seven in 2013. See, that's the thing. See, that's the thing. You've you've got Spezza doing like a kind of a good job of, of being a really good power play guy. Well, Chara could do the same thing as a defenseman, just move up. You put in Morgan Riley. Well, I guess you probably want on your second D pair. So you put whoever the defenseman you second D pair. You, you just put Zeno Chara in front of the net. Yeah, the same. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you put put one of the defensemen, whoever on the, the point, and you just throw Chara in front of the net. And I don't care who else is on the ice, you're probably gonna get a better chance of scoring. Yeah. And Toronto could afford to do that. They could. What do you think it's going to cost for a guy like Chara? What he's playing right now? I, I, I think if anything, the Islanders, like if, if the Leafs could just come and say and say, look, like Chara, look at the numbers this year. He's not playing very well. He's not that good. We'll give you a third or fourth round pick. And to me, that's fair. If I would it means- say fourth. Give me, I know like there's not a huge difference. If we're paying a third for an immobile player. But, 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 you know, a team like Tampa probably would, though. A team like Tampa might even throw a second rounder. That's true, but they also have their picks. The Leafs have what three in this draft coming up? Two, maybe. Well, yeah. Well, I wouldn't expect it to be this year's draft, anyways. I, I feel like this is something where you're looking at it. It's 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 more of like you. The Islanders gave him somewhere to play. He gets the record for games played by defense. But now let's do something that like like they're trying to repay the favor. That's kind of how I look at that situation. I don't think it's going to cost a lot. You're not giving a roster player away from him. Um, maybe you're throwing away like an AHL guy or something like that. I would say sign Josh Hosang and trade him there. But then like Hosang, you know, Islanders, you know, probably not. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, that did cross my mind a second there. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be super interesting because I think Char would make a lot of sense. Like it'd be a lot of fun as well too. Like even just for the narratives, like if he is a piece of the team of the of the Leafs team that finally gets over the hump, like just you know you couldn't live with your own failure. You know where did that leave bring you? 
back to me you know uh, that'd be that'd be pretty that'd be pretty funny and it's like i know a lot I know of exactly are- what kind of tiktok i'm making for the corporate account if that happens i i know there's one trade that i know Montreal canadians fans kind of really were always sad to see was when Placanic got traded to the leafs and it's something where it's like we couldn't give you the cup now go do it yourself and then it didn't happen but but uh, the uh, it's like, man, I really was hoping he would do something because he he was a fan favorite that I felt like was never appreciated in Montreal. Oh, I shouldn't say fan favorite. He was a, a a very solid player for a long time that didn't get the appreciation he deserved. And he's a good to a soldier. Point, yeah, he was never the greatest player out there, but he was a really good second line player. He was a good guy where if Koivu was your number one center and Polkanchi number two, like that's a good one two punch. And I think that I would. It was too bad we didn't get to see him. But now he's he's on. He's a top scorer on the team. Yager owns this year, so there's that. Yeah, man, hilarious, hilarious that Yager is still playing at age fifty. He also he's he's Jackie Moon. He owns the team. Mm-hmm. It's it's remarkable. Anyway, let's talk about those Montreal Canadiens. Why don't you? Because they uh, uh they brought in a guy who thankfully uh, set souls exist, so you can see over the boards, which is nice. Uh, Martin Saint Louis. Who's also whose thighs are bigger than our torsos? It's yep. un, unbelievable how how Jack that guy is. Um, and they've from from a moribund team like like on pace to be the worst like the worst of the, the post expansion era, just like historically bad. He's now guided them to a five and three record since he was hired. Jeff Petrie's gone on to say he's brought joy back to coming to the rink, which a is a damning indent like a, a you know a damning uh, 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 defamation of what uh dom ducharme was doing in in that role and i will i'm gonna ask you about him as well um and then cole caulfield 10 points in eight games is this for real like is st louis actually a good coach or is, is just that is is this just that the team was in such like dire straits that anyone who could smile would walk into that building and and, and at least uplift things a little bit and turn and get them a couple wins like what because he's never coached above triple A. This is like, you know, getting getting Joe from down the block to, to get behind the bench, and yet everything seems to be going right for the Canadians. Is which team that has made a coaching change this year hasn't immediately won a ton of games right after? Exactly. Christmas? That's the thing. Yeah. That's the it, this is just how we it is every year. Dom Ducharme looked like the absolute genius. And then he also led the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup last year. Let's not forget and Luke Richardson was obviously there too, but it's like it didn't seem to matter who was coaching that team once they got rid of Claude Julian. It worked. It's almost like once you got once the coach has lost a voice. I think anyone could take over. And as long as they aren't a total moron, they could figure things out. So obviously like it's, it's tough to say that St. Louis is definitely like the guy, or if he's going to be this great NHL coach, because a, it's still a small sample size. B, this team's just running on adrenaline right now. But I think one of the most important things is he's kind of gotten Cole Caulfield to play good hockey and Caulfield. When Caulfield made a mistake, he was penalized for it. He was put in the fourth line, but with uh, St. Louis said in, in French, um, after beating the Leafs, I believe it was, it's like, um, we, we are, we're willing, if he makes mistakes, we're willing to keep playing him. Cause we know his talent outweighs the mistakes he makes. And he's only going to learn by playing. You don't want a young guy playing no minutes. And I, there was nothing for him left to really, uh, achieve in college. Um, but he was also put in a situation where in the playoffs last year, like they had nothing to lose, just do whatever, you know, I'm going to worry about the salary cap. It's like, we can, we will get, make the best lineup we possibly can, but during the regular season, um, he's an easy guy to send down to the minors and they sent him down to the minors because no, no one will worry about waivers. Um, and, and that didn't really help him. And even then there were some moments in the, uh, in the AHL where he didn't play as good as we kind of hoped he would. Um, so now that he's, he's kind of playing, good hockey um that's that's important i think that's been one of the huge things and there's other guys that have looked pretty solid obviously uh josh anderson kind of had a bit of a boost around him and and things like that but they they the reality is this is a team just kind of running off of off of all the momentum and running off of everything right now it's like they need to win every single game the rest of the way to get like 98 points and that that wouldn't make the playoffs it's like it doesn't matter kind of really what happens um, that being said, I, I think it's, you could tell this Canadian team is just playing better. Um, you're also got a guy who he's played two games, Andrew Hammond, who's playing for a chance at reviving his career. Sam multiple, same thing. These two guys are fighting for like their career this season. Their professional livelihood. That, yeah. Like got that momentum going on and it, it's good to see. Um, so I think this is still not a good hockey team. And this is still a guy who is like, he's kind of just, 
he they're they're kind of riding off the high, so it's really tough to see. I would like to see him stick around for another year, but at the same time, like do you look at Ducharme. Ducharme did very well, kind of in the the situation he was given last year, and this year he had to coach without Carey Price, without Shea Weber, without Joel Edmondson, with the one like an um, absolute mass casualty list of COVID uh, cases right around Christmas. There are he fourteen really... injuries right now on the yeah. on on the Canadians hockey uh, reference page. Yeah, like they've got so many situations there, and then they trade away one of the best players. And it's like, when you're looking at this, it's like, I don't think he was given a, f- a, f- a fair enough opportunity. Now, that being said, you, you just can't deny how much better the team's playing right now. And that's that's really what matters for that team. So I think Canadian fans just better hope that they, they don't like walk their way out of um, Shane Wright contention. Because while a guy like Slurge or Yurich Slavkovsky would be a really cool draft pick, he's another goal scorer. And while that's good, if you can get a guy like Shane Wright centering Cole Caulfield, You've got an unbelievable scoring punch that would not be matched in any other way unless they went on and got Connor Bedard uh, the next year. So to me, that's still got to be the goal. Them winning is them losing in my mind. Yeah, man, it, it really is one of those situations. It's it's like the McEichel tank year where they're just like like the where the team the fans are going to be like cheering for the other team to score against them. Like it's yeah. it's remarkable. And it's tough because like the Canadians, we like they just won the Stanley Cup last year. But then people are like, oh, how do we fail this miserably? It's like you had to see this coming. <laughs> it's like this team was very flawed, made it to the final in very unusual circumstances. Yeah. And then got completely outplayed by the much better team. And it's like, okay, well, we need our goalie carry price to play like this all season long, or else we don't have a shot again. And then surprise, he doesn't play it at all. So that actually doesn't help. But then Shea Weber isn't playing again. And you got all these other guys who are like, when, when you look at Jeff Petrie's not playing at the level, he should be Uh Sherratt, not a great defenseman. Uh, Alex Romanoff maybe probably should have used another year back home uh, before coming here. And it, it, things like that. It's like, there's some situations here where there's a reason the management was fired. Wasn't it? Yeah. So I, that brings me to my next point is that I think, I think Dom Ducharme was, was, I don't think he was a great coach. Like I think there were a lot of the fact that he didn't even, play Cole Caulfield and yes, Barry Kakanyemi for the first two games of the first round series against the Leafs last year um, kind of goes like he just, he didn't seem like the right kind of coach to be put in charge to of be a fair. very young team. Yeah. To be fair. I I didn't disagree with Kakanyemi sending out those games. Uh, Caulfield was a little surprised. I, I didn't disagree with that because of the way he was playing leading him to the playoffs. I thought maybe it, it's okay. A lot of this one. But that also, so that it, it also goes, should, should Kakanyemi be picked that high because he was a reach at the time. And no, this all exactly this all goes back to Mark Bergevin, who I think like because if it weren't for the 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 stars aligning for the Canadians in the playoffs last year, and like let me just preface this the Leafs absolutely blew it. You know that you've seen me scream in our office about that for like five straight hours. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to let the Leafs off the hook or anything. But at the same time, like the every team that the the Canadians faced then proceeded to lose their number one or one of their top, one of their top, if not their top center um, in each of the series and vague to the point where Vegas is playing with just no one, like, like even Chandler Stevenson had, had gone out, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, they're like Carrie Price, you know, found the fountain of youth for a little bit. You can ride really hot goaltending when you need it. Uh, you know, Shea Weber was playing, you know, being held together with masking tape at that point. Like it's, it's all this crazy stuff, but they haven't, there are, I think there are two, either two or three for, no, there are three first round picks still in the organization um, uh, over Mark Bergevin's uh, eight or nine years that he's been at the helm. Um, one of them is, you know, has been, is, is, has been convicted of, you know, a sex crime. Um, and the, uh, there's actually two uh, or no three, because the other is Cole Caulfield, who is, who is, you know, was sure. only picked a couple of years ago. And the other is Ryan Paling, who has like, 40 points in 200 career NHL games or something like it's like on top of that, you know, like the, the, the signings that that version went in, you know, give him four years to uh, at 4.5 to Mike Hoffman, who's done absolutely nothing for the team. Um, You know, just all of these different deals that are going to come back to bite him. I think that if, like, if anything, Ber- it's, it's Bergevin's fault that the team just created. He left them in, in a state of disarray. He let all of their good UFAs walk and he left them in, in the ability to collapse. And then, I don't even think he was surprised when they did. I think he just kind of waltzed out of town. I, I, a couple, I, I wasn't working hockey 
um, at the time when Kakademi was drafted, but I had a draft list that I put together uh, based off of stuff I did beforehand. And my my list, the way it went was Svechnikov was my number one. I thought he was the best player. Number two was Rasmus Dalin. Number three was Brady Kachuk. Number four was Zadina. Number five was Quinn Hughes. Number six was Barrett Hayton. Number seven was Noah Dobson. Eight was Wallstrom. And then it got all the way down to ninth for Cockney. That was where I put him. So I thought at this point, like, I don't like this pick at all. And, and now looking back, Brady Kachuk would have been a much better pick. Uh, would have, I think he would have had a lot of fun in Montreal. Um, but yeah, the, the, the draft history obviously was pretty ugly uh, for a while. And they were kind of hoping Caulfield would be this big guy who could do it or this big important player. And he was a great pick at the time. He still looks great then or now. Um, Ryan Paling was someone where I didn't think that was the worst thing that could have happened to him was getting a hat trick in your first game. Kind of like Fabian Brunstrom in Dallas, his very first game, he got a hat trick. And then his career was never the same because he was not this first line quality player. But then he's like, oh, well, he scored all these goals. Let's go play in the first. And he just kept falling down the lineup and eventually just didn't work. Um, Steve for Paling, it's like, I think for, who did what? he score that against? Who did he score that that hat trick against? It was against the Leafs. It was against the Leafs. Oh, see that I didn't remember. That Eternal pain. Well, there you go. Um, but the when you look at it, it just I, I don't know what else to say. Like yeah, Montreal just blew so many drafts in a row, and, and part of the thing with Montreal was when they were when Trevor Timmons was looking like this genius, they were drafting well in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round, but they haven't been doing that recently. So when your first round pick sucks, and then your second round pick is nothing, and then your third, fourth, and fifth, you don't even bother signing these guys. It's like, it ends up just being a total waste of time. So yeah, they, they needed a fresh look. And a lot of that, like the GM makes the final decision, but it's the scouts who are giving you the information to make that decision. And they needed to shake that up. And they did. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Montreal does this. Now they can go get first overall and keep talking about them getting Shane Wright and they can be like, you know, we want Logan Cooley and Logan Cooley would be a great player, but he's not number one in my opinion. Um, but uh, they can go out there and get these other guys that could change it all up. Montreal, they're just, they, they could change everything if they get Shane Wright. And I know we look at the Rangers fans and they could have done that with Lafreniere. I think the way the Rangers have handled Lafreniere has been an absolute joke. Um, like they, they should have sent him to the world juniors. And then the argument was made, well, Oh, look, uh, uh, Kirby doc was hurt. Like good thing. We didn't set our guy. But that's such a low chance of that happening. That's the thing. It's not like that injuries are happening to all the star players all the time. Well, Quincy Byfield went out had a great tournament, and uh, all these other guys went out had great tournaments. It's like you should have sent him there. And then his first game in an eight-month span is the very first NHL game of his career. No preseason games, nothing to prepare. And the people are saying, like, oh, look at these other like guys that have come in, no problem, and, and become good rookies. But a guy like Kirill Kaprasov had like five years of KHL experience yeah, at that against point. grown so he, men. He'd been playing against grown men. He's been in the Olympics. Lafreniere had only been playing against kids his entire life. And then there's been so many opportunities where he got to send him down to the minors at this point. And he's he's actually playing worse this year than he did play last year. And that's not good. Um, so they've blown that. Um but in this case, like Shane Wright is a guy that has been talked about for so long. He earned an exceptional status for a reason. This guy is an unbelievable playmaker. I've asked scouts to say, who's your comparison to him? And Sidney Crosby's name comes up almost every single time. And maybe not at the, the talent level, but in terms of how they, he plays, they, they're they very similar. I was watching him play, trained for many years. He's from near where I, I grew up. Um, and, and this guy's got so much talent. He's to me like a, a sh- like this guy will change the Canadians, but they would also need to be smart on his development and not just throw him in uh, if he's not completely ready. Uh, that's also why I'd hope that no matter what happens, he plays in the World Juniors because in August that's a unique opportunity to play in a high level tournament. And then once that's over, maybe he's won the gold medal. He's got all his confidence. He had just played a really good tournament. Heads a training camp, steals the show, and something like that could be really big. But they and that that could maybe erase a lot of the issues this team has had drafting in a while, but there obviously needs to be a lot of change. And they've had a lot of draft picks the last few years. They got to turn that into something. Well, it's a good thing that the guy in charge of the Canadians right now isn't the same guy that made most of those decisions with Lafreniere. Oh, oh, wait. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's awkward. That's a little, that's dicey. Oh no, no. It's like, I think you just, you put a generational talent, on uh, on a team, especially like I think that the stars are kind of aligning for them because drafts in Montreal, you know, Shane, like Shane Wright, great talent, exactly what they need, a center, you know, I, I, the perfect guy to pair with Cole Caulfield, a rejuvenated Cole Caulfield. 
it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm the Canadians are going to be one of the most intriguing teams to look at over the next, you know, eight, 12 months, especially going into the draft, especially going, even going into next season, just see what they're going to do. And potentially even the year after that, because who knows they might, you know, they can pick first overall. They choose to take it slow with, with Shane, Wright. You know, he's only one player. Maybe they're, maybe they're pretty bad. Maybe Connor Bedard becomes a possibility at the end of the next year. Who knows? That's the great, that's the great, you know, randomness of randomness of life. Now, see, we're at, we're at 45 minutes. We want to keep this to relatively an hour. So I guess our last topic will be, uh, it's, and it's the most important story in all of hockey. It's the reason I came on. It's the reason you came on. It's dominated the headlines. It has, it's paid the bills here. That's for sure. I mean, with, with the stories it's, it's Sean Avery in his 48 hour cameo in the ECHL. Now, let me just set the scene here. Sean Avery is 41 years old. He is going to turn 42 in April, which is about a month away now. Um, he hasn't played professional hockey since 2011 and 12, when the New York Rangers sent him down mid-season uh, because he was playing so poorly. And mm-hmm. he then played poorly in the AHL after that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has also then gone on to storm his way out of a Broadway play uh, he was mm-hmm. a part of. He's also been in, in a Christopher Nolan movie in the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's So I guess he's a part-time actor. Very interesting. Um, I don't like, and so the the Orlando Solar Bears signed him in their Pizza Hut transaction report, mm-hmm. um, which is very important to a uh, an ECHL standard player contract. It's not a professional tryout. It's not an amateur tryout. It's a standard player contract. Um, he starts on the reserve list, which I was assuming they're going to let him work himself back in a game shape and then play. And then less than forty eight hours later, in the next Pizza Hut transaction report, he's gone. Like like a like dust in the wind, he, he he slips out of the organization like a ghost. Um, what uh, what's going on here? Is this a publicity stunt? Well, it's it's crazy that like I really thought just like you know how good of a player Sean Avery was that he'd have no problem stepping back into professional hockey after nearly a decade away. Like I just thought you know not playing any hockey whatsoever. I thought you know. Sounds like a good guy to go back and play Especially in the ECHL. In your forties, and we all know that's the athletic prime of of a, a man. <laughs> but when, ho- when hockey's no longer your, your focus, yeah, like I think that the, it's a natural fit. So uh, I'm disappointed. I thought this was a guy that could have made his way back up to the NHL, and maybe we were talking about him in the the 2026 Olympics or maybe 2032. And so I, I think it's. It's a disappointment because I thought him and, and maybe even if they got Matt Barnaby, like those guys would have put on some credible hockey show. Like these guys are still NHL quality players. And maybe who knows? Maybe we're talking about uh, Sean Avery versus uh, Connor McDavid fight to the death at one point. And, and we're not talking about like a fight. We're talking like like for the scoring title. Yeah. I mean, I, I was that's exactly what I was expecting. Um, so it, it just goes to show how absolutely absurd uh, uh, this is. The, now, the thing is, 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 I would have thought that this would be a like a publicity stunt if it was a um, if it was a tryout agreement, but it being like a standard player contract, that makes me think that they signed him and then they quickly realized like he had his first practice and they quickly realized oh no this has been a mistake and they like immediately cut him or maybe he like did something I don't know. Um, it, well, it's amazing be because time. they posted there was video of of him post I can't remember which. Uh, Twitter account posted, but this is before he signed a contract and it was of him training. And it's like, dang, if that's what he could do, uh, if, if this is what earned him an ECHL contract, like I got a shot because like, I don't know, like couldn't skate, couldn't shoot and uh, got a deal. So like, Hey, you know, like I, I'm my pro hockey, like I'm way below 40. I could definitely make it. I think I, I'm definitely in the, I'm clearly not in the prime age. Forties are definitely, we got to be the prime age for athletic ability, but um I don't know. Yeah, it just uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Like to me, that seemed like a guy who was going to help that team in a big way and was going to be so important for that playoff run for Orlando, and that we'd be talking about a, a maybe an MVP candidate next year in the NHL. But it's it's really too too much of a shame. And the the, the people who bought his jerseys immediately and apparently it seemed like they sold out. Uh, people who bought those jerseys and and they're going to get it and never got to see him play. I think they're they're missing out on what was a once in a lifetime opportunity to see a generational talent. I'm just saying a Sean Avery Orlando Solar Bears jersey is the quintessential like Coachella style piece, I think, to wear. It's just, you know, that like you are one of like 15 people or something that have that jersey. It's like, like I got an Andre, you probably can't see it on camera. I got on, well, you know, camera shot here, anyways, but I have an Andre DeVoe, uh, Atlanta Thrashers game wearing a preseason jersey from his like one game he played, which they don't even have like the stats for online. And it's like, I would trade that for a Sean Avery jersey for sure. 
Yeah, I think so. Solar bears have sick jerseys too. They do. The solar bears have always. I was I was bummed when the Leafs weren't. I mean, it made sense due to travel, but I was bummed when the Leafs. Uh, yeah, so so they move a team out to Newfoundland, which is like not close at all. Yeah, I know, but it's it's at least it's still <laughs> the in travel Canada. still sucks. It's uh, they did it in Canada just for the immigration for sure. Like yeah, like at, at this point, they might as well just put a team in Sweden and be like, yep, that that's our that's our research. <laughs> the, the climates are re- remarkably similar, probably like it's yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, Stephen. Well, we've reached the logical end of the podcast, as I like to say it. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I, I would say, you know, I'll see you sometime, but, uh, you know, you're stuck with me, man. I'm going to be seeing you a lot. Well, I'm in the office tomorrow. I think you got to come. I think I do. I think. Yeah. I mean, I miss I miss coming to the office. Uh, this remote work. It's pretty ridiculous. Not not a huge fan, but hey. We'll, 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 we work with it what we with what we have, but I guess I don't have to say the whole spiel because we're on the Hockey News Network now. But go, uh, go, go! Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, and and also Spotify, any podcatcher under the sun, and also on thehockeynews.com where great content is posted every single day. Unless um, it's from Mike, then it's not that good. Unless it's from me, yes. Now, Stephen, before we leave, do you, uh, do you want to leave our listeners with any wonderful pieces of knowledge? I thought we were going to talk about Spider Man. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, best movie of all time. And uh, I don't care if there's actually better movies out there. That's not true. Captain Underpants is close, but no, it's Spider-Man. It's not for the best. Yeah, the animated movie, it's, it's pretty good. But Spider-Man No Way Home, um, it, I think it came at a perfect time for humanity. And uh, I will just say, like, I, I don't cry very often, but I will say I did cry during that movie. I was extremely happy and uh, likely caught COVID from that theater, but it was worth it. I haven't haven't taken a day off work since I saw the movie the first time, <laughs> December sixteenth or seventeenth, whatever day it was. So uh, I uh, still that moment seeing those spideys come out. Oh, I've been waiting for that forever. Yeah, our whole lives, and hopefully there will be more more to come. We'll see in Doctor Strange the in the multiverse of madness. I know it's going to make soon. me actually have to watch a Doctor Strange movie. I, I hate his character, and I'm like, if, if it happens, uh, yeah, it's 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 odd. But anyway. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on and we will see you on Thursday.